Hello all, my name is Mel, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Talk About Role-Playing Games, where my co-host Zoltan and I compare our experiences with a single game over an extended period of time. We'll take turns revealing our experience and findings, then do a live discussion where we share those experiences. Today, we have... Well, it's not quite a role-playing game as most would define it. It's 2016's Hyperlight Drifter, an indie darling of its year that continues to stay on people's lips as it releases to more platforms over time. So, if you're all set, let's travel to this game's bleak symphonic world right now in episode 15 of Turn-Based Memories. Hyperlight Drifter is a game with zero dialogue, either spoken or written. It's a game with its own visual language that you slowly learn as you explore. Hyperlight Drifter sits on the edge of a few different categories. It's part hack and slash, part platformer, it's got some Metroidvania DNA, and some light upgrade mechanics. But talking about what the game is, Belize talking about how well it does its job as an unspoken, challenging soundscape experience. I'm not sure I've played a game with pixel art graphics this crisp and has controls that feel this responsive at the same time. You perform sword slashes and you can dash in and out of harm's way or across gaps in the floor. And none of it is fast, but it all feels snappy and looks smooth as hell. Combat operates in an almost puzzle-like manner, rather than relying on your reflexes or the power of your character's stats. Besides your sword, which you can upgrade to have a couple new attacks, like a charge swipe or a dash strike, you'll find some ranged weapons that have ammo that recharge as you hit things with your sword. So, while you won't be able to rely heavily on your guns, they will come in handy in a pinch. Uh, your kit isn't all equally useful, however. After you get an upgrade that lets you deflect projectiles with your sword, the guns become a little less useful, and the hand grenade that you get I found no real need for. I may have been missing an opportunity someplace to use it, but I made it through the entire game without ever having to use it. Now, here's the part where I lightly make assumptions about my co-host Zoltan's appreciation for these mechanics. I think he'll dig this shit. It should prove hard not to like the responsiveness of the combat, unless by some chance he found it too hard in some places. I kinda did. However, I highly doubt that to be true. The game's kinda short, and Zoltan seemed to have made short work of it. So, that probably wasn't an issue for him. Now, what about the visual design? Well, folks, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, then you might not see this coming. Zoltan's probably not really going to like this world's theming and oppressive, silent presentation. Parts of it, like the Western Swamp area, are bright and beautiful, so I don't think it'll be all that bad, but it keeps getting interrupted by the protagonist coughing up blood seeing harsh visions of an 
evil pixely monster. Now, mind you, this is entirely my jam. I'm not turned off by bright and happy scenery, but I am super turned on by quiet, bleak landscapes, and Hyperlight Drifter has that all over the damn place. Okay, so my next paragraph here has me talking about the music, and I fucking love the music. Well, not all of it, though, but a lot of it fits right into my brain in the best way. It's a little bit classical, but also really synthy and really, really oppressive. I love it, but again, I don't think Zoltan will. The game is celebrated by folks like me for its soundtrack, and apparently the composer went on to get some major jobs after doing work on this game, but that doesn't mean it's for everyone. Zoltan is a little more blue sky than this game, and I suspect mostly ambient and grungy synth isn't going to be to his tastes. Now, as is my passion, I must touch on the shopping, and it is sublime. You collect little gold thingies as rewards for exploring the world. Four of them make one big gold thingy, and you spend your thingies at one of the four shops in the hub game's hub town. Make your sword, your guns, your dashing, your grenades, or your health pool better. Simple, it's easy, it's beautiful. Now overall, I think this is going to be, for Zoltan, one of those, hey, I understand it, but I don't care for it type experiences. With some fun times with the combat system along the way, and hopefully a good appreciation for the killer pixel art and the animation on display. But me, I love this game. So, Zoltan, how much do you love this game? Hey everybody, the legendary Zoltan here, and I have just recently finished Hyperlight Drifter on PlayStation 4, just like Mel asked me to do. To summarize my thoughts on it, I'd say it was a very solid playthrough. If you're looking for a game like this, you'll probably find it to be the best game ever. And I mean that literally. I expect that there is a number of people out there whose favorite game of all time is Hyperlight Drifter. I did not expect that this would be a straight up action game. I figured it would have some RPG elements or something because this is one of those non-RPGs that RPG fans seem to love, like Zelda. Like RPGs, it does have a story. The story is told completely through pictures with no text. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but it beats me what any of those words would be. My understanding of the story is that a black pharaoh hound came to this city and just exploded the fuck out of the place. Then giants came out and they all got wrecked too. They just disintegrated. And then the drifter gets enveloped in darkness, which makes him sick and he has a chronic coughing problem throughout the game. And at the end of the game, the city is crumbling away, even though it was supposed to be already destroyed, and the dog lets you come into his apocalypse shelter for some reason. So I guess that dog was really God? And he destroyed everything and saved you because he wanted to reset humankind and start all over from scratch. And then they played Frisbee. They kind of make you want to understand what's going on by showing you some cryptic cutscenes 
as you proceed through the game. But overall, I didn't ever really tru truly come to care about the meaning of it all. Despite the god being a cute little puppy wuppy, what I did come to care about is the exploration. I'm sure there are lots of people out there who love this game's story, art style, and music, but I say there are really just two things that this game has going for it. The combat and the exploration. I prefer the exploration above all else in this game. They did such a good job designing a world that has hints of secret passages. You need the hints. I was very impressed. I felt, or it felt really nice to just kick back with the controller and go searching for triangle pieces that let you open doors and money that lets you upgrade your character. Some of the nicest level design I've seen in a long time. The one area in which the level design fails is navigability. Every time you walk down a path, you find alternate paths. Pick one of those and you'll find another door or two along the way. The map helps a little, but there are no icons on it. So after you find a key or more triangle pieces, then you have to try and remember where you saw that previously unopenable door. Maybe I should have kept a pen and paper available. Still, the exploration was freaking sweet. Now there are some things that make the exploration slightly less freaking sweet than it could have been. The art style is not really my type. It looks 8-bit to me, but it's obviously a higher resolution that fills my widescreen television set. But it doesn't look as good as any 16-bit games either. It just looks like a whole lot of 8-bit graphics have been fit into 1080p resolution. Sorry, but the most retro I can go while feeling like the graphics are still good is 16-bit. I much prefer the graphics of Mega Man X and Chrono Trigger. The music was also not at all my type. It did create a very interesting atmosphere that I could believe a lot of people uh, love, but I just don't care for it. I very much liked how the music gets heavier and louder during combat and then seemingly seamlessly dies down again afterwards. JRPGs need to take a lesson about how to implement music that doesn't constantly interrupt songs with other songs. The main disadvantage, however, of the exploration is the fact that you always know what you're going to find. It's basically always money. You're either going to find money, triangle pieces, or keys. The keys open doors, and inside of them is either money or triangle pieces. The triangle pieces also open doors, and inside of those doors, you're going to find either more triangle pieces or more money. So in the end, all of the optionally explorable areas are for the money. While money is a pretty nice reward in this game because of the shopping, once I had all of the most desirable upgrades for my character, I didn't really care about finding more money anymore. Now about that shopping, it's good because you can buy combat abilities, so there aren't any boring items. No equipment, no equipment is kind of a bummer, but this isn't that type of game, so I can't really complain about that. Mel likes to complain about when there are too many required button presses for menus. Maybe I could complain that this game's shopping needs a confirmation message because I accidentally bought something other than the one I wanted to buy. 
And the last thing to mention, of course, is the combat. It doesn't feel like anything out of the ordinary, but it works really well. Every time you hit an enemy with your sword, they start moving in slow motion until their staggering animation is finished. So you can use this to your advantage to get extra hits in, even though you know they are about to counterattack you. The guns are also quite fun. Of course, the best weapon is the shotgun at point-blank range, because the best attack in every game that has a shotgun is the shotgun at point-blank range. Adding in a high-speed dash with a lot of invincibility frames and the ability to bat projectiles back at enemies makes a super elegant combat system. A lot of the areas have big groups or big groups of enemies or interesting terrain layouts that require you to use all of the character's abilities. It's nice to play a game that only gives you abilities that are useful. In Dragon Warrior 1, you only get like eight spells throughout the entire game, and all of them are very useful at different stages of the game. That's so much better than all the games that give you 50 abilities where only five of them are useful. Having really hard rooms that kill you over and over again is really fun when the penalty is simply that you just have to try again. Every time you die, you just restart at the beginning of the room. I love that. I've always said that I would accept doubling the difficulty of any super boss if they would just put the save point right next to it. I think Mel will be happy to hear that I liked the game he assigned. Although it's not really my ideal type of game, I still really enjoyed it, and it really can't be denied that this is a nearly flawlessly crafted game. Excellent job, Alex Preston. You have created a true work of art. And welcome to the discussion portion of episode 15 of Turn-Based Memories. As I said at the top of the show, my name is Mel, and this is my co-host Zoltan. Hello. 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 So, this is Hyperlight Drifter, and we both just shared our own experiences. And now we're going to talk about them, and uh, we listen to each other's segments... Yep. So we each have a couple comments that we want for each other and maybe just whatever little pieces we forgot to mention. Yeah. So I think uh, top of the list for me is um, you didn't make any comment in your segment about uh, the music. So as a musician that you are, uh, I was just curious what your thoughts were. <laughs> I did comment, dude. <laughs> did you? What? I, I said remember. it totally wasn't my type. Oh, that's it all I said. Your type. It wasn't okay. my type. Okay. Is all okay. I said. So I guess I just wasn't paying attention for that moment. That's fine. Yes, um, it wasn't my type. Uh, I figured. I figured that'd be true. That's what you said. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know what the hell you were talking about. You were saying it's like kind of classical and stuff, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. <laughs> well, the credits have this kind of nice like piano theme that sort of is like a motif on the opening theme. And it's a little classically, it's okay. like classical if it were overlaid with like grimy synth. I don't remember. Way. I don't remember any melodies, man. <laughs> no, neither do I. But I don't know. I guess that's <laughs> the wrong, the wrong, <laughs> the wrong designation for it. Classical but, music usually uh, has melodies, yo. <laughs> yeah, I, you would know more than I do. Um, <laughs> but. It uh, just like I think the composition of it felt 
there was something in it that felt classical to me. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But, in terms of <laughs> atmosphere building, I was I thought it was sure. the way to go. It was uh, good in that way, a quality thing. Uh, Ambient. Yeah, exactly. I'm down with ambient sounds usually but yeah i don't know i was just wasn't really into these ones it's, it's a little different from when motui sakuraba writes an ambient song so for example the game we just recently played uh tales of Vesperia. the first time you go to the town called kapua nor which is the one where when you arrive it's raining and that's the one where the mayor is like um oppressing his own citizens i don't know if you remember mm. that mm-hmm. and you walk mm-hmm. into the town and you meet that guy that that husband and wife and they're all disrupt because their son has been kidnapped by the mayor so anyway when you walked in there that had ambient music and what it was was just like these low droning strings just and they moved up and down a little bit i don't really remember what it was but i thought that sounded really cool i enjoyed hearing it mm-hmm. at least while i was in the town and in the game i've never like gone back to listen to it outside of the game but i liked it while i was in the game but yeah, not any of the ambient music in this one was really my type. And I guess it's mm-hmm. just the whole electronica scene is not really... I mean, I've heard a lot of electronica that I like, like from o- Overclocked Remix, but I guess not that much. I guess. Uh, yeah, there was something about it that I... Um, in the lead-up to me replaying the game for the show, uh, I had turned on like a... It was two hours, but I can't imagine that there were two hours of music in this game. Yeah, no, right? I mean, uh, but there was a YouTube video someone posted like Hyperlight Drifter soundtrack, and it was I just let it long. run while I was doing other things, so I wasn't really paying. Maybe it looped some stuff, but I was I liked it having it on, but yeah, not not the kind of thing where I could name or pick out a given like track. Hmm. Indeed, I, I mean. It. It sounds like it's all just one really long track for the most part, and it just fades in and out, right? Most of the time, there's no music, right? Correct. Uh, most of the time, yeah, and then it'll like sort of build up. Like when you're getting into like a boss fight, there's that kind of like weird sort of discordant like piano hammering that it does for a <laughs> moment, and then there's like a bunch of grunge under it. Like I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. Um, the credit theme uh, music is maybe the closest. The credits and the opening, right, right at the opening, are maybe the closest to an actual track, mm-hmm. like a beginning and an end that the whole game has. I think, mm. but I don't yeah. know. I've listened to both of those a couple times, so maybe those are my standouts. But yeah, I think that's my whole thing on the music. Like I wasn't like I'm gonna listen to this forever, but I, I did like <laughs> putting it on. And um, I I thought you hadn't made a comment on it, which was strange to me. But if it wasn't like there, there isn't, you're kind of right. There isn't a ton to comment about. Yeah, in all aspects of this game, really, <laughs> there's not a lot True. to say in many of the aspects of the game, in my opinion. Which is one of my other points is you made a comment, you made comments, period, about the story, and I didn't because <laughs> it didn't even really occur to me. Like, oh yeah, I guess I could have talked about whatever kind of story is going on here. And, uh, you know, I think your summary is uh, pretty accurate. A dog showed up and blew <laughs> up and everything fucking started crumbling again. I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the point of, I mean, I don't know what a lot of it meant, but one that was a real mis- really confusing part to me is, what the heck were the giants? Like, did we fought, were those the four bosses that I fought? I mean, 
I think that the Giants and whatever was going on with that was stuff that happened way in the past. And they were destroyed. Maybe they were, like, wrecking the place or something. And then... And then the dog came to destroy them. The dog came and destroyed them. And then it left, like, some sort of a plague behind. And then you and that other guy who wears, like, that pink cloak are, like, kind of, like, left to clean up the mess in some sort of way. They really don't fucking... Like, Hyperlight Drifter is actually the most explanation of what's happening in the entire game. <laughs> but it, what Those is, are the only words the, in the whole game. The guy's a drifter. So he, I guess. He came from somewhere else ha- then? <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hyperlight, what's a hyperlight drifter? I don't know. Yeah. Sounds like someone who's yeah, warping in from another plane or something. Yeah, he does move really fast with his dash. But, uh, I suppose. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. A lot of the opening cutscene kind of fell out of my head. I didn't actually watch it again uh, this time around because I had like a new game plus file that was like two minutes in, so I picked up from there. Uh, um, so I'm not totally fresh on the intro of the game, but um, I just remember it also not leaving an impression on me when I first played it. So it could, yeah, whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's very window dressing and an excuse to do what you're doing i don't know dude. i I don't know if it is actually supposed to be well i mean an excuse to do what you're doing yes but the guy who made the thing i think he thinks that this is some deep ass shit that he made and Mm. though i think in his mind there's the combat and all that of course uh the person who really really loves the game uh is supposed to want to find out what happened and go on the journey to figure out mm. all that stuff. And that's where like the true value of the game lies in his mind, in my opinion. I have no idea if that's just, just an <laughs> idea that I had. It, it might be true, but I know, I know speaking only for myself, um, it all felt very functional to me. Like you, you go uh, up to a guy and then he goes, burr, burr, burr. and then a picture of the boss shows up, and then it tells you where the boss is. Like mm. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that, to me, felt very utilitarian. And point. the opening of it was cool, but I think, like you said, like elements of it, I don't know. It looked like they designed it all first and then thought about it <laughs> second. Maybe. <laughs> but, maybe I'm wrong. But <laughs> I, you, you like these you know, dark... I mean, settings I and atmosphere. I thought that the story was going to be part of what you really liked about this, and that. And that's yeah. I think that's a fair assumption to make because I think ordinarily that kind of dynamic is the thing that I kind of glom onto a lot in other titles. But in this one, the story is so backseat and yeah. so muted that there just wasn't any purchase. There wasn't anything for me to like get hooked into. I was, for me, it was all mechanics and the way the soundtrack worked in the game and the visual design and the sort of satisfaction of exploration and the, and the upgrade path that they give you and some of the other like mechanical elements of the game were really what invested me in the mm. experience. So in the and end, honestly, mm. I really didn't think much at all about the story. So in the end, you weren't lying when you told me you really are a uh, gameplay first story second kind of guy. <laughs> I think it can depend. Like uh, in games, I just have yet to see a game that 
looks that dynamic on its head. Like games to me always feel like they're in service of the gameplay. Yeah. And the story's always kind of being wedged into because I do like stories so much because I pay attention to them a lot when I went to school as a writer. Like seeing them in in um, uh, games and then seeing how they all feel like there's something there's something compromising, not in the negative sense, but there's some sort of like bargaining being made all the time with stories in games not i guess yeah i guess all the time because the gameplay has to be there there has to be an interactive element and the agency has to be taken away from the storyteller a lot Mm. so in order to fit that in unless you're making a very narrative heavy game which i really i i know those exist i really haven't played very many i don't think i played any of those quote-unquote walking simulators i just oh, yeah, haven't those, I, not, yeah. not that i don't know that i would like them i just haven't gotten around to playing any of them so maybe those games would sort of prove me wrong i suspect they probably would but games that i have played and that traditionally i have played um it's it's always the other way around like the gameplay is always the focus and then the story is like molded on top of it mm. and sometimes it comes across to me as thin so when that happens, I'm I'm very happy to just go, okay, it's just there because it needs to be there to give me some motivation. Mm-hmm. And then I focus on the, on the gameplay. Um, I don't go asking questions and wondering because I'm like, I know there's no substance. It's just it was put on to cover up the holes in the events of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I feel that way about the story in this game. I think it was put there after they came up with the idea of the gameplay and they're like let's we want something that has xyz motif it's going to be a little dark it's going to be this whatever we got this guy to do the music he does this kind of music and let's make the world now i see Um, i I could be totally wrong but that's the impression i got well look forward to xeno (laughs) gears right um yeah xeno's high i mean there are games i like speculating about the story because they do kind of hit my brain that right way mm. but I, I you know deep inside i i know there's no there's no answer there but um i would yeah. i would assume that if uh they made the story first and then try to make gameplay that fits the story somehow uh in general it would be i'd like to think that a larger percentage of the games made like that would be bad be- that the gameplay would be really bad if they did that uh, I think I think that's a lot of the critique of walking simulators is that they really are just walking. In those games, and, you just walk. I think, yeah, right. Yeah, so a that's lot why of, they call that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that. Um, I don't know if they really designed, uh, if they really developed the game this way, but there's an old game um, called Brutal Legend. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. Is it is that the one that had Jack Black in it? That's the one that had Jack Black in it, and. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so him and uh, the other guy who made it, uh, he's also a famous guy. Every time I need an important name or an important word when I'm on the podcast, it doesn't oh, come to me. Oh, I love it. But it's it's the guy who uh, made, I think, the Monkey Island games as well. And then that same guy, uh, he made that game Brutal Legend with Jack Black. And, you know, he said that he, you know, had in his mind, for, for example, the title right before he ever made thought of making the game, he's like, I'm going to make a game called Brutal Legend. 
one of Tim these days. Schaefer. It was Tim Schafer. Thank you. Yeah. And then the next thing that he had to think about, okay, what kind of gameplay is it going to be if you can do all the things that heavy metal people want to do? All the headbanging and the playing and the mm -hmm. music and the, all that stuff. And so I, I, I guess he molded the gameplay around the, mm. you know, the idea or, or, or the story, uh, which is probably why it came out where at first it seemed like it was just going to be a straight-up action game, but eventually it turned into some kind of weird um, real-time strategy in the end. But mm -hmm. a lot of people th think that game's gameplay is kind of bad in the end. Mm -hmm. so, That's where I heard. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was okay, but the music was amazing, though, if you like metal. Oh, was it? <laughs> I, yeah, I have not touched that game. <laughs> Lots of metal, so that was cool. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, but I think, um, but then you have the opposite side, which is what you just said. And I think the game that is this the most would have to be Zelda, I think, where the whole point is just gonna go exploring and so freaking shigeru miyamoto made his gameplay mm. for exploring and then they just threw the save the princess right on top of it kind of a thing mm. is what i think the game that um, epitomizes it that was the word i was looking for epitomize yeah no i yeah i think you're right i think that's that's harkens back to older game design in general you know mario that was that was fucking save the princess we need a reason to jump around. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's a good one, right? That's probably better than Zelda. Yeah, all he's doing is jumping and running. They made that first, and then probably they decide, okay, why is he running? Save the princess. It's easy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> what else would an Italian plumber do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't know how they came up with it, but. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that. Um... I think that covers the story probably more than maybe it even deserves. <laughs> I, I, maybe. I heard um, from another video that I watched after playing the game that uh -huh. uh, that guy who, who created this game, I mean, it's a team, obviously, but it's mostly one guy who thought of it, um, mm -hmm. that the whole reason that guy in the game coughs a lot is uh, kind of to insert himself into the game because he has some kind of heart disorder. Oh, wow. And he coughs a lot, and so he wanted to make the game where I guess he felt like the hero himself. So and the developer's company name is Heart Machine. There's so... that too, yeah. So mm. I guess the guy could die any day. I don't know oh, what his situation goodness. is. Holy cow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at this uh, right up here. Uh, born with congenital heart disease, hospitalized, digestive immune system related. So yeah, it looks like he's kind of um, okay. He's there probably is a, a lot more meaning in here than I have been gleaning. <laughs> probably just writing a lot of this off. But we are uh, just I mean, uh, insensitive yeah. people who only care about the gameplay, so that's what happened. Yeah, with my this heart's game. perfectly fine, so I can't relate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like an asshole now. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> um, so I that would... covers the story and the music. Yeah. I I would like to hear somebody who like figured it all out tell me what it is. That would be I'm I'm curious at least. You know, I I can be a little slow on the uptake sometimes when it comes to like seeing those connections. So it's entirely possible that like a ton of other people were like, "What the fuck? This is the obvious thing in the world." <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, I don't, like, right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you ever search uh, for the for the story in Dark Souls, like when you look at read the item descriptions, did you try to ever piece things together and understand stuff? I never did actually. 
So I kind of did inadvertently because someone who I was watching at the time on YouTube uh, got into that and made a series on that. This yeah. guy, um, Epic Nambro is his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> funny, funny so he did that for quite a while. And it's not really his thing too much anymore, but that was his thing big time for a little while. And it, that was fun, you know, because there was yeah. a lot, like, the whole point of that game's story was, like, piece it together yourself. Like, we're going to give you little scraps and bits and pieces, mm. and you're supposed to fill in the gaps your own self, and there really aren't too many hard answers to too many other questions. And that was interesting. It's like a narrative puzzle, almost, like, yeah. secondary game on top of the game, in a way. Exactly. And it kind of makes me... I hadn't thought about that that's what they were doing, when it, when those games first started coming out, and then Neither, I didn't we, really think, yeah, yeah. By the time we got to Dark Souls two, I I had heard and know and I knew that that's what they were doing, but I didn't bother to do it. And I haven't played Dark Souls three yet. And when I ever eventually get to it, I'm kind of tempted to actually bust out the pen and paper and try to just understand everything all on my own and see what I can come conclusions I can huh. come to. It sounds kind of fun to me now, <laughs> but I didn't do it for this. It game. is interesting. Yeah. No, I didn't do it for the. Well, there's not a lot to go on. I yeah. mean, <laughs> the way it is literally no written words. And I guess that does bear repeating. Like, there, this game would not need to be translated at all for any reason ever. Um. Well, there's there no, were no, there were what? some uh, button prompts written okay. in English. Okay. You can. Yeah, you're right. Or you can the return menus. here anytime or something. It said not in oh, the menu. Oh, you're right. Not in the menu. No, you're right. Yeah. Like you activate the portal and it says you can return oh. here anytime. So that's okay, like so guess, the only ones, but almost nothing. I, yeah, almost nothing. Certainly nothing to use the a term that's been in vogue the last couple of years. Nothing diegetic, which is to say nothing that was in the game's world itself, like dialogue or a signpost yeah. Yeah. or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's menu-related exactly. things. Uh, but otherwise, the game is entirely wordless, written or spoken which is interesting. I don't know that I'd played a game like this that um, had that um, element to it. I think the game Eco, which is made by the guy who created um, Shadow of the Colossus, I believe that oh, game is right. also yeah. completely wordless. I mean, well, words that we understand list. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I think Shadow of the Colossus had text. In the intro, it but, did. Yeah, actually, no, it had it had some a few cutscenes throughout but, the game. Yeah, there was like I think Dorman would talk to you, and that was written in, in text. Yeah, but in Eco, that doesn't. They don't like. No, a, there are scenes where people talk, and like it doesn't you just tell don't you. It. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. you just don't understand it until you play new game second time around, and then there's actually subtitles out on it. But, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you're right. That so, was a cool thing. What a cool little idea that was. Yeah, that is a cool idea. But uh, the first time you don't, so and you don't really need it, it turns out. That would be interesting if they did something like that in this, like where suddenly the NPCs, you can hear what they're saying when they show those little pictographs <laughs> of what's going on. Like All of the pictures are accommodated by um, like captions and stuff. That would be yeah. interesting. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. <laughs> Uh, so we got way more mileage out of the story of this game than I really ever thought we would. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. We went on tangents a little bit. That's okay. Um, so my next bit here, let's see. Uh, the music. Oh, so you made a comment, unless I missed it again, okay. that uh, the only things that you can get when you go exploring are the uh, little purple triangles and the uh, gold uh, currencies. Yes. There is a third thing that you can pick, uh, uh, and keys. 
There's yeah. a third, a fourth thing that you can get. What is that? Not sure if you ever found it. Uh, you get new costumes that give you new abilities. Or no like, way. What? Not, not new abilities per se, but they give you buffs. I guess is the right yeah. term to. Well, that that's also still pretty cool. So, um, when I went down south, that is, uh, uh-huh. south is the final boss. I think they set it up where you can yeah. you can do the top three in any order, right? Um, or did I, I just get lucky? Accurate. Well, what order did you go in? Where'd you go first? Right, left, up. I right, think. right first. Okay, right, I left, went up. left, right, up. No, I went left, up, right. Okay. And then that. So probably uh, you can go any order for the top I think three. you can. I think you're right. But there are side areas because they, they, those blocks lower yeah. based on what boss you fought. Exactly. And there's more than just the one to the south. There's other ones on the east and west side. So I'm not sure if there's an optimal order. There might be. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, there's there are these cloaks that you can find. Yeah, so when I went down to the buffs. south guy, to the south one, on the way, there's just... Right there, the very first screen south, there's like a guy who was sitting on the ground or something, and I think he died right there. He like he told me his you know little picture story, and then I think he was dead oh. after that. And I could take his stuff, and then I got the message to go change your gear at the at home. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what gear? You didn't do it? No, I did. I went back and I switched. I was like, oh, oh okay, now I look like that guy did. But it looks like yeah, it just it. changed the color. I don't think it changed mm-hmm. anything. Did you go to that shop that you can uh, augment, you can buy upgrades for like your dashing and yes. whatever? Yes. I Did you that. notice those, uh, the area just off to the right that has those like pads that let you dash over and over again? Or did you not really notice? I don't know if I, maybe I didn't notice that. That doesn't sound familiar. You can dash over <laughs> and over again? So in that store, just off to the right next to the vendor is a room. There's a room, like, yeah. Right next, yeah. I didn't and know what the room was for, to be honest. <laughs> when you dash around, you expend like a little bit of stamina. Yeah. When you dash over the pads that are in that room, your stamina comes back. And okay. if you keep dashing, a number shows up on the screen that indicates how many times you've dashed. Huh. And then if you keep doing that, a little meager in the middle of that room starts to fill up and it opens up and there's two secrets in there. One of them is, I think, another gold currency item. <laughs> and the other one... Okay, what's the other one? ...is a uh, purple cloak that doubles the amount of stamina you get. Oh, wow. And since stamina determines not just how much you can dash, but how many times you can do like a charged-up sword swipe, mm, that's pretty yeah. effective. Um, there's another one that is, I can get all, I got like three of these cause they're really hard to find. Um, another one, I'm just going to list them off. Easier chain dashes, um, easier. faster, yeah, easier. I guess the timing for pressing the button between dashes, cause there's a timing to it. You okay. can't just mash it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do it together. You have to time it within a certain interval. Otherwise you're just going to, you're going to drop it. Uh, decrease the time you get to interact with things so the little fill-up gauge is quicker, which I guess is good if you want to pick up health like real fast and you're in danger. I don't yeah. know. Uh, decrease the cooldown time between two combos. I'm not sure what that means. Maybe sword swipe combos? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, walk faster. That sounds convenient. It does. Uh, your stamina will recover sooner and faster. Okay. 
Uh, ammunitions for guns will recover faster, so you don't have to hit things as often to get more ammo back. I want infinite uh, ammo. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, That'd that would fun. turn this into a different video game. It would be. It would be fun, though. It'd be fun. It would be fun. <laughs> uh, increase your max HP by one. That's okay. Whatever. Uh, okay. Yeah, right, one. I barely ever spent money on my HP. Uh, regular sword attacks cause more... Ex- Dream Death Styles. That sounds like just uh, aesthetic, whatever. They're going to change some uh, animations or whatever? with the. I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. there's more blood happens or something. Maybe so when I, when I started this game up again in New Game Plus, where I didn't realize or remember, because I had already started the file like two years ago, was you start with an alternate outfit that you can't change. And it's the black cape. And it limits your maximum HP to two. Ha. And this game is kind of hard, like a little challenging normally. And if you get hit and all, you can only get hit one more time, that makes it really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize what was going on. I was like, was this game so hard? Why am I, why am I so bad at this game? I can't, like, I died over and over and over. I was like, oh, my God. Like, how have I gotten so bad? <laughs> yeah. How did you figure it out? Because I went online. I was like, is there something going on with New Game Plus? Like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. And uh, sure enough, I looked it up, and it was like, yeah, this is hard mode, basically. I was like, oh, okay. But the other thing that I... And this goes into my next point. So, beat the game or whatever. Did you see the options afterward? For in the main menu, like when you hit, uh, go back to the main menu, because there's two options: there's new game plus, and there's another one. Oh yeah, there were some options. I don't remember what they are though. Yeah, there was, and I didn't know this either, because I, by accident, picked it uh, when I went to go replay the game. It's called New Game Alt A L T Alt Alternate. And you, yeah, and you play as a fucking different character. Okay. That huh. has a different main weapon. Oh, whoa. So, in my recording video, you'll see me playing as this character a good portion of the time. Hmm. Uh, so, he has, you know that little floating drone that you have that oh, does yeah. stuff for you? Yeah. He has another one of those, oh. and he sends those things out, and they kind of, like, whip into people and, like, bash them from a distance. Like, a, not a super long distance, but huh. not a short distance either. Like, it's easier. It's definitely easier. That sounds like fun. It's pretty cool. And he looks cool. He looks kind of like that Anubis dog a little bit. Yeah. So I guess it's like, a, hey, you beat the game. Here's like a fun mode. Whatever. I, I never noticed it when I first mm. beat the game. So all those things sound really good. And I'm trying to figure out in my own mind why exactly I don't really want to go back and play it again. Because I thought it was a really, really great game. And I was enjoying uh-huh. the exploration. And the combat is super good. Uh, so... I freaking love the dash. That's that's really what yeah. makes it amazing to me is the dash and the guns. <laughs> mm. And then the sword is just the basic weapon. But the dash makes it really fun to whip around and avoid stuff. Uh, <laughs> and my God, dude, the freaking shop um, where you get, like, you talk to the dude, and one of the upgrades that you can get, because there aren't any words on the screen, it shows the <laughs> dude. Listen to me, man. <laughs> it, sho- it shows the picture of the guy dash like up and to the right, like let's say northeast, and then back uh-huh. down southeast, and then back to the west, 
right back to where he started. And it says at the bottom, the button prompt to do this move is XX. That's the jump button or the dash button. Jump, yeah. jump. I'm sorry, dash, dash. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm sure there's some use for going to, for making a quick triangular motion. But uh, I don't know. That doesn't really sound like that great. So I'll leave that one out. Turns out that's not what that does. It just means you can dash over and over again in any direction you want without uh-huh. the cooldown time after your third dash, which is the, ba- uh, the, the, the default, the original dash mechanic, which is responsible for a lot of my deaths. Dash, 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 mm-hmm. want to dash again, but I can't. Got hit. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I guess that's in a, an instance where the uh, lack of words kind of runs up against its like limit. Uh, like it would have <laughs> been better if they just told you what that was. Maybe I'm dumb. I bet everybody else got that. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly did not get that either. I knew, I knew that it was gonna enhance your dashing. Like, oh, I guess faster dashing or something. Uh, but I was like, I feel like I'm dashing pretty fast already. Like, I, I don't know. I just thought it was an evasive maneuver. You could go up, down, and left again or something. Oh, like that exact Th- maneuver? That's what I thought. And you just push okay. the dash button twice, and you're going to do this quick triangular maneuver, and it's going to get mm. you out of a, of a tight spot at some time. But that didn't sound all that great. And after I found out what it really is, I would have picked that first. Mm. That would have been the most fun thing to have, is like the the higher speed, more... Uh, you know, more dashes. <laughs> that one's pretty useful. I think the other two that are like critical are being able to deflect bullets yes. with your sword. Yes. That's like it destroys certain enemy types. It's just not a challenge anymore. And the other one is you gain a shield at the, in the start of your dash, is another one that lets you just dash through projectiles. I don't oh, yeah, know if yeah. it actually blocks melee or maybe it does. Probably but, just projectiles. Uh, I think it's just um, So that helps in certain instances where you have like these drone towers just shooting a shit ton of bullets at you. You gotta yeah. get past something. Those are the two that are like necessary. Mm. But um, and the dodging one, I think, is really more just for bosses because they're just unrelenting sometimes. Ah, uh, yeah. One of my uh, my best. I got the freaking trophy for finding all the bosses. By the way. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that was cool. So yeah, I found whatever. Like, there's like a couple extra side bosses, I guess, and I happened to find them both. One of mm. them, I arrived and I had already, you know, wrecked all the other previous rooms. Nothing left in those, and I'm in this room with the boss. It's the one where he just shoots a lot of projectiles at you. Mm-hmm. And I r- arrived in there with just one um, med kit, and I was like, okay. Uh, and I tried him a few times. He's like, okay, he's really hard. Uh, let me go back and see if I can find a med kit. Went back, got hit by some turrets and stuff and falling down oh, into the pits. Boy. It's like, okay, this is not going to go well. Let me just go back to the boss. Oh, great. I'm back at the boss with no med kits and only uh-huh. two HP. So Yeah, baby. So I, I had to beat that guy without ever getting hit, but uh, I managed to do it after multiple tries. <laughs> so that yeah. was pretty fun. <laughs> that was fun, though. This I like game... that. This game also is a little cruel because it will let you waste med kits if you're not paying attention. How? You can just heal yourself when you have full health. But no, I don't think it. you can, dude. I feel like I've totally done that. I feel like I have not been able. I th- I feel like I tried to and it didn't let me. 
but I can't uh, remember for sure now. Maybe I was not. Maybe I thought I was in full health because I'm pretty sure I did that. Hmm. One really sweet. So sorry. Yeah. One one really sweet thing that they do uh, is when you have all of your med kits full and you find another one and you get it. If you're uh, low on any life, you'll get just healed by it instantly. That's a nice touch. Yeah, that is nice. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. But, uh, the, yeah, so I, I, I feel like I didn't find definitely all this stuff. screwed myself out. But, yeah. oh, yeah, you didn't find so, all this so stuff. The, original... I, the keys are hard to find. Yeah, I only found like three of them. Oh, yeah, so the original thing I wanted to say was, yeah, after listening to you say all those cool things that are in the game, I'm trying to figure out to myself why I don't want to go back and play it some more. Um, uh, it's kind of a stuff. complete experience. It's kind of a you've you've done like ninety percent of what the game has to offer. Like playing as another character, unless you just haven't played through the game in a while. Like I played this game once and play again. I love the game. I only played it once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I started New Game Plus and then I came back to it now with two minutes on the clock. Like I didn't play this game again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I didn't stop thinking about it after I had played it, but it's really, it doesn't, doesn't really warrant a whole playthrough. So yeah, one of my other things was how completionist did you get or were you able to get? So, so I was you trying probably to be... noticed, right. You probably noticed that you get those four triangles for every area. And that's like your main goal for each area. But there's actually eight triangles to yeah. find in each area, right? That's and then right, there's yeah. doors that get you some that require all eight. I don't know that I've ever found all eight. Maybe I did in my original playthrough and I don't remember. In the but, southern uh, area, I found yeah. seven of them. Ah, But not eight. <laughs> they're really, really devious with this game's design. But there is a slight language to their design so i don't know if you noticed and i i don't think i noticed when i first played whenever there's a secret there's a little like, square yeah yeah i noticed it yeah i didn't i i noticed that during this playthrough i was like wait a minute that little square is there <laughs> so, so you said that their design is devious but i don't think it is because i mean they lay out this world and they hide all these little you know, triangles and uh, money chips or whatever throughout the land. And they could have done the thing where it's like, okay, this wall, totally and totally passable, pass throughable. You can just walk they right kinda, through it. They kind of do that. They kind of do do that. They don't always. No, 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 no. They, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. The thing I'm talking about is you just have a wall and you just have to press against it to find out that you can pass through it. I think all of the secrets, well, all the ones I found. <laughs> had hints like you could see a little light in the corner of the bottom left screen or there's that little Mm -hmm. square or your little drone guy like walks up to something and says hey there's a thing here and um yeah i was impressed that they didn't make that they managed to make a whole bunch of secret items like basically everything is like hidden the whole thing is hidden nothing's like on the path and yeah yeah (laughs) and so i was impressed that they managed to put everything off the path and also make it somehow like and make it findable that's what was yeah. impressed me the most and that's why i said uh the level design was really good in my opinion well they definitely do the thing you just said where you've got to kind of just like meticulously rub up against walls until you get through because 
there are some instances where that's just totally is true. Really? Okay. Where it's just like, oh, there's a building here, and the perspective of the camera is such that you can't tell that there's a like a bridge under it or some shit, and you can just go. Um, <laughs> but normally, yeah, or I think for most of the secrets, there is that little square on the ground that indicates something can be done here. Yeah. You shoot something, you can dash somewhere, whatever. Um, I honestly did not notice that until this playthrough, but uh, yeah. So I got probably the normal amount, like seventy percent ish of the collectibles. Yeah, somewhere around there, maybe sixty. I don't know. Um, the game's pretty tough. Like that's the hardest. Like if you really wanted to play this game again, I feel like that would be the reason why. And if that's not enough of a motivation like it is not for me then i probably not gonna replay this game mm, i'm trying to i'm just because it was a really solid game i really liked the combat and i enjoyed looking sure. for stuff so i'm trying to think is the only reason i don't want to go back and play it anymore is that you can't grind anything is that the reason i'm thinking that's the reason <laughs> That might be the reason. I think that might be why, because you're going to go through all the steps again, except now you've got to rub up against every tree. Yeah, and also I guess uh, <laughs> there's also the fact that the the visual design is on my type. So, so about the visual design, so I get it. You were saying like it looks eight bit, but like more, like it's just got more graphics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> than, Not better, just than, more. <laughs> right, more most graphics. Um, which I, I totally, yeah, I agree as far as the composition of the graphics. But what about, like, the animation? The thing that really struck me with this game is that it's pixel art, but the animation on the character's movements and all the little, like, special effects around your character, the explosions, it's all super smooth in yes. a way that I don't see too often. Like, if you've ever played any of the... Um, uh, Metal Slug games. I might have played one way back in the day, yeah. So it's like a shoot 'em up sort of mm. side-scrolling arcade type thing. Yeah. Those games are like notable for their really hyper smooth pixel art, sixteen thirty-two-ish bit style. But this is a different style. But that always is what drew me to the visuals of those games. I don't really like those games gameplay-wise, but in this game, I was like, man, they spent. There's a lot of frames of animation going on in everything here. <laughs> I see. What and that really caught my eye uh, in a way that I was thrilled because for a long time, indie games were either really like low frame rate, simple, or they were doing the Minecraft thing of they were doing like voxels and mm. like hand uh, uh, procedural generation. Or they were doing that thing where the new um, uh, Bloodstained game is doing, where they just do that 2.5D, like real yeah. simple polygons, but at a distance. I just yeah. don't like the way any of that looks. Huh. These really silky smooth pixel art graphics, like that's a huge reason why I like the look of this game. Okay. More so than the actual artistic design, even more so than the theme behind it which i do like uh is the animation to it all really just caught my eye in a big way so i don't know if that left any kind of an impression on you or not um 
well, I mean, it looks professional and good, but uh, mm. it, when you say smooth, you're talking about number of frames. That's what I do mean, yeah. Yeah, so there is, I, I'm just going off memory now, there were, from what I can remember, a good number of frames in every animation, but I don't know, I mean, it's a completely modern game, so, I mean, frames of animation are, of course, also there, which is really what the biggest deal, I think, of the animation. But there's also, I think, helping it, uh, the fact that it's on this uh, current technology that does have special effects, like there's transparencies mm -hmm. and lights and all those kind of things. And the, when the freaking, um, you know, the pixel dude, drifter guy, walks across the screen, like the camera's following him at like, freaking pixels that are way smaller than the pixels in 16-bit games <laughs> sure yeah, yeah yeah and um so so there's that you know 1080p resolution and all that so i mean i don't know i guess i wasn't i'm impressed by it yeah but i guess because it doesn't look beautiful to me mm -hmm. it doesn't really capture me like if i'm gonna talk about sprite art specifically um, mm -hmm. and let's even keep it down to small sprite art. Um, one of the games that I think really, really impresses is a uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, which you have not played, right? Uh, no, but I I've seen enough of it to know what you're talking about. Yeah, so you know visually. what what the guys look like, and when you're yeah. in battle, it's like they have these different animations. Probably not as many uh, as many frames as uh, Hyperlight Drifter, but mm. that's not where it impresses. It doesn't impress with the normal gameplay. It impresses during the cutscenes when like somebody grabs another guy by like the cuff, the like the top of his shirt, like the neck of the shirt, and pulls uh -huh. him close and gets in their face. And you think, and then he, and then he, well, he says what he's got to say, and then throws him off to the side. And when you see that, you're like, whoa, wait a second. They just animated like a whole bunch of frames for just this one moment. And that was impressive. But this game, it didn't impress me in that way. Not that it was mm -hmm. bad at all. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it was impressive. It looks nice and definitely smooth. And yeah. Um, one thing I'm not really looking for, though, is number of frames, though. Because check this out. You know the fighting game Guilty Gear? Uh, Yes. Okay, there's a fighting game called Guilty Gear. <laughs> uh, you know the fighting game Blay Blue, which which everybody pronounced Blaze Blue, right? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. I've heard of both. Okay, well, anyway, both made by the same guy, uh, Daisuke mm -hmm. Ishiwatari. He's an amazing anime artist, in my opinion, and uh, he draws the characters. And when they finally made a new Guilty Gear, I believe it's Guilty Gear Xard for the PlayStation yes. Four. That's the first time Guilty Gear actually went 3D. All the other I ones were 2D this. sprites. And yep. do you know what they did for that, man? To, like, make it, I don't know, look more 2D, and I guess also to make uh, the uh, input and the gameplay more tight. He, they freaking cut out a whole bunch of frames from the 3D animation so that it looks more mm. rough intentionally. And when I saw that, I was like, stroke of goddamn genius. <laughs> that is pretty clever. <laughs> yeah, stroke of goddamn genius, not just to make it, you know, the controls more tight because that, but also it means um, you're going to have, you're not going to have, which is generally considered a positive thing, but I don't think so. You're not going to have photorealism, 
which sounds impressive and is impressive, but I don't think it's better because photorealism means that there's all those moments in between the emphasized moments, the unemphasized moments, where like somebody's eyes are halfway closed and they look stupid in the picture, right? You know what I'm talking about? No, I, I don't I mean I think it also translates into the gameplay pretty well. I think there's a, a sense of momentum and weightiness that you don't necessarily want, especially in something like a competitive fighting game. Yeah. Where you kinda want the snappier animation, which is also a thing that I really like in uh pixel art games and sprite based games because um that usually does translate into uh crisper feeling gameplay yeah uh compared to like the 2.5d games where like yeah. there's a character animation and the rigging has to move and the arm has to go all the way and it's yeah. all smooth and whatever and but it makes the control input slow. laggy. yeah mm-hmm. exactly so no so i know what you mean yeah so I guess I personally am not looking for number of frames that often, although occasionally, like in Final Fantasy Tactics, it does impress me. But um, I guess really the only reason I'm not as impressed with the animation as much as you are is simply because it's just not my type of art. I guess so. Yeah, yeah I guess that's what it comes down to. I, I would say that the animation and the frames in this translate not or relate not just to um, the gameplay elements of what your character is doing and how they're moving, but also like the little effects of when the door opens and these little like mm. little effects like spiral out in all directions from like the ground where the door like came down into the ground, sunk into the ground or whatever. Mm. And also it applies to your character, but your character's animations, however fluid they may be, are also, and this is important, pretty quick. Yes. So you're really you're not spending a lot of time in junk frames where your characters are like, well, let me get my sword, and then you gotta <laughs> wait for the whole thing. Yeah, it's quick, it's fluid, and there are a lot of frames of animation, but in a way that it doesn't slow, it doesn't weigh anything down. Like your cape is like billowing all around, but that's not you know hmm. getting in the way. Um, I guess, but yeah, in terms of fighting games, especially mm. in things like Guilty Gear, having to chop up the frames and make them so they're less fluid in that instance, I think is critical. Like that needs to happen. Yeah. Now the thing is, there was a a a th- uh, another game that's more similar to this that I thought just in the normal gameplay, I was like, "Whoa, look at this beautiful animation!" And that was Symphony of the Night. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's just a uh, um, an artistic preference thing. Also, the, the you you mentioned, like, the doors and things opening, and that's what I wanted to say was the real use of the this current technology, despite having, like, a retro um, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't able to say it well, but now I can. The, in the case of, like, a door opening, they don't actually have to... Um, uh, animated frame by frame, right? They have, like, the f- picture of the door, and then, you know, they just, like, slide it down behind something or slide it to the side behind something. So in that situation, I, I don't I'm just, I just, don't remember what it looked like off the top of my head, but that I assume that's what they did. They didn't have to draw this frame of the door and then this frame and then this frame and then this frame and then this frame, right? Oh, yeah, probably not, no. I think, uh, yeah. I think you're right. The way they do it now is they have they layers. They slide things, right? And yeah. they just... L- you know, slide things behind other layers. Yeah. Exactly. And so I guess when I realized that, it's not as impressive to me. I mean, they looked cool, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't anything that blew my mind. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, hey, I get it. I mean, 
I'm in it for the looks, I guess. I don't know enough about what makes it um, animate well, like behind the scenes wise. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. The animation to me was a big deal for me in yeah. this game because I, because I saw a lot of other people sort of foregoing that in terms of something choppier because it looked more authentic in a in a way, hmm. and I was like, this game is just going for it. <laughs> is what I felt like. <laughs> yeah, I I am actually a bit of a what they call a graphics whore. Uh, I do <laughs> I do want the beautiful thing. Uh, in my game, sure. I, I do want that, and so like there are games. I guess really, yeah. I I just go for different things, and so like, have you ever played, for example, Castlevania Lords of Shadow? Uh, no. Okay, well, it's an action game, and it you don't grind. Uh, there are things you can shop, but you don't grind like stats or anything. So it's basically like this game in that you just get the abilities, and you just fight through the levels, right? So. Why do I like Lords of Shadow more than this game, though? When I think about it, do I want to play that game again? I totally do. Why? Because it just freaking... I love the way it looks watching that guy walk... Watching Gabriel Belmont walk across, like, these freaking... Jump off of a freaking waterfall onto, like, the next little, you know, rock area. And the background is super beautiful. And the freaking music, it's not all that melodic, but it's just over-the-top like mm. dramatic <laughs> string music or whatever. And yeah, I don't know. Just really, um, there shouldn't be any real difference between the the experience other than the mm-hmm. art and the music in that situation, right? I mean, it's basically action game and action game. Just go through the level, just go through the level. Both have b- nice animation. Okay, well, why why this game and not that one? Basically just the graphics and music. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it easy to understand why. Just the graphics and music. <laughs> That's fair enough. All right. So, blah, 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 and then plus. Doo, 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 doo. So, I think we touched on all of my points. Did you have any questions for me? You got all the points I wanted to ask you about, like, what are the other items in the game? And, yeah. And you told me what you knew about the story, which wasn't much. And, uh, mm. Mm. Yeah, I think we got it. I I have to say this is a super super well made game. Yeah, this is uh this made a big splash when it came out. It's still continuing to get releases on like Switch and whatever. Um, I don't know if these guys are working on anything else. Mm. I don't see anything else here, but um. I would like mm. to see another one or something else. It doesn't have to be a sequel to this. It could be something else. Yeah, if the guy entirely. makes another game, I would be curious what it is because he did such a good job with this one. Uh, according to Preston, I'm reading something here, the studio has been working on Solar Ash Kingdom oh. after finishing up release of Hyperlight Drifter. The new game includes, quote, a whole new set of incredible tech and key innovations. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard anything about this game. Hmm. Solar Ash Solar Kingdoms. Ash Kingdom. It's got the word kingdom in it. That makes me like it a little bit more right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll link it to you and we can check it out afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but um so I think that will cover it for our fifteenth episode yes. of Turn Based Memories, where we went off the path a little bit. We covered a uh 
decidedly non role playing game. Yep, not uh, turn based either. <laughs> yeah, not no, no, not even a little bit. Um, but that's like so a genre, far, yo. It's like a genre yeah. of um. There's like a genre that I'm I'm creating myself called uh, non RPGs that people who like RPGs love. <laughs> there's like a group of those, right? This is RPG one of them. RPG adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> Something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, this um, is one. Zelda's one. Freaking Shadow of the Colossus. People who like RPGs all also like Shadow of the Colossus for some reason. This is true. So yeah. there's like a, set, a subset of games like that. <laughs> very, very, very true. This definitely fits that bill. Uh, but our next episode is yeah. going to be uh, very certainly an RPG, very certainly a JRPG. Yes. Do you want to introduce what this game is? Of course I do. So I am going to assign Mel to play a game that he's never played and I have played and everybody loves it, Final Fantasy VII. Oh, my God. Know anything about it? Well, okay. Without How saying anything. How the fuck could I not... <laughs> Do you no, know the no. Do you know the main main spoiler? If I just ask that, do you know it? I know the main. I know who dies. You know the spoiler, yeah. And you I know the, the main spoiler, yes. Yeah. Um, there are probably details of the story. Like this happened last time when we played some like higher, like Final Fantasy VI, where I was like, Six, yeah, yeah, I, I I know who Kefka is. I get the character. I get what he, like what he becomes and blah blah blah. But there were elements of like the individual, like the smaller story spoilers that I did not know that were really big, but they always get overshadowed when people remember about Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm sure this is going to be the case too in Seven, where there are smaller spoilers about what goes on with characters that I know almost nothing about. Like I I know almost nothing about uh, Barrett except he has a gun arm. Mm. <laughs> I know almost nothing about. Um, I know there's like a bunch of side characters that you don't have to. There are two, yeah. I think fine that I know truly very little about. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be a ton that I'm unfamiliar with, and the overall story of the game. I have. I actually kind of think I know the main plot pretty well because again that's one of those things that you sort of can't avoid yeah but um i also don't know a ton about it gameplay wise like i know it's turn-based i know do you know that it uses a thing called the materia system yeah i know that word but i couldn't tell you and this is how it works okay i really don't know how it works yeah, yeah. so that's really the thing that makes final fantasy 7 final fantasy 7 in my eyes, at least gameplay-wise, that's definitely what it, what does it. Um, and yeah, no, that combined with the story and all that is, I guess, and the and the time that it came out uh, uh, is really yeah. what makes it everybody's favorite RPG of all time ever. Um, this is kind of a fascinating um, thing for me because this is a time period where fucking JRPGs. We're the AAA heavy hitter in the United States. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Well, it's like we lived on a different planet back then. Like that would <laughs> never happen now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, the the JRPGs are just not doing it anymore. Um, in terms of big budget ones, anyway. 
I mean, we yeah, had Final Fantasy. They don't pull that weight anymore. They're not like they all got replaced by like Halo or Gears of War, which I guess yeah. those are outdated references. But you know, like Grand uh, Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto, uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. Like yeah. these are a certain thing style of game that people go bananas for now, and that really pull down the big fucking money. And it's not a turn-based role-playing game. Like, holy shit. Mm. It's crazy that that was the biggest thing one. Yeah. At once, yeah. The the one that we loved the most was the best thing, biggest thing ever at one point in time. I remember back when I lived in, I lived in Hawaii at the time that game came out. And uh, it came out when I was in the final grade of high school. But I remember in college going to like a party. And uh, the person there had a PlayStation, a Final Fantasy VII. And I was like, can I play that a little bit? And they're like, yeah. And uh, some, some dude was watching me, and he's not really a gamer. But he's like, oh, dude, I heard that this game is, like, so long that nobody can beat it. So, like, people who have <laughs> no idea about the game or knew what it knew had heard about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was a thing that attracted, and it, it kind of proves to me how, like, fucking ephemeral like tastes are for like the general public because the people who you would probably class today as being like dude bro sugar call of duty guys were mm. fucking going bananas about final fantasy fucking seven it's like thin blonde haired emo boy <laughs> is the story's like protagonist and he's got a girlfriend who dies and it's a very anime storyline and yeah. it's very like nerd geek central but this was like the fucking shit. And it's why, like, the stories I've heard of people are like, this is the best game ever, man. The best game ever. Yeah. Dude. And I'm just like, you think that? Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you've actually heard that opinion from Dubro types, huh? Like, who like shooters and stuff. When I was in college, which by that point, this game was old news. Yeah. Uh, it was still coming up in conversation. And, um,. Yeah, the people who I thought who I saw talking about, I was like, I know you're going home today and you're just playing Call of Duty. I know that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but then they talked about Final Fantasy VII, huh? Yeah, they were talking about Final Fantasy wow. VII as like back in the day that was like the best shit, man. <laughs> and I was like, it's just it kind of blows my mind that it was able to make that sort of splash. And yeah. today, no fucking chance. Like, there's a remake being made. There was a recent like update yeah. on that remake. Yeah. I'm sure you saw the I video. Saw it. it doesn't look turn-based. Womp womp. Yeah, it's uh, going to be Kingdom Hearts, I think. It's going to be like Final Fantasy 15. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. So, yeah, we'll hmm. see if that's even going to be able to do anything. Probably will, just because it's got the name cachet. But uh, yeah. we'll go from there, and we'll see, uh, we'll see, if you we'll like see it. how we make it up. I'm going to be playing... The uh, Steam re-release, so, you know, yell at me now if you think that's the worst version to play. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> think That's going to happen. Um, I, mean, uh, I mean the listeners, because like, I'm sure everyone has, like, their own opinion. Like, i got to play this version. There's just one thing you got to watch out for, and I don't know which version has it. I know the, I think the first PC version had this problem, but I don't know if the new Steam one does. Um, you want the one... I guess in the case of Steam, you can use mods if you want, but you want the one that has the same exact soundtrack as the PlayStation 1 version. For whatever reason, they release like a PC version that has like just, I guess, your own PC's MIDI card instruments for the music or oh, something. That and must have been the original PC uh, port from the original the time. one. Yeah, had it. I don't know about the new one. Hopefully, 
they changed it up. I know that when um, they announced, I remember when they freaking came out on stage at one of the E3s and totally trolled the world to make you think that they were going to announce Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, and yeah. Do you remember that? And it was just freaking ported to Steam and PS4. <laughs> the guy oh. was laughing on the stage and there's like memes of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, when that happened, uh, people were saying, it's going to be this, the one that's coming to the PS4 is like the same as the PC version. It's going to have that terrible music. No, but it turns out they put the PS1 music in there. Thank freaking God. It sounds way better, dude. That that should be the version that I have because I have whatever they're currently selling on Steam. The original PC version, I don't think they sell anymore. Okay, hopefully it's the good music. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, but we'll see. Uh, so it's going to be a really we'll... fun episode, I think, because it's it's such a, a, a grand game and loved by all. We'll see. Maybe I'll disappoint. Maybe I'll hate the fuck out of it. <laughs> yeah, we never know. Funny. That would be interesting. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for episode 15. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you did enjoy our conversation, uh, please let someone know just one person uh let them know let them know that there is a uh podcast they can listen to on youtube if you have you know youtube premium you can download this you don't have to worry about blowing through your data um and then just you know listen to it whenever you have time and uh if you want to know when we're going to make another one you got to subscribe because we really don't have a release schedule our goal is every month to release uh, a primary episode of Turn-Based Memories. We do tend to also release uh, little like interstitials about our opinions on other things uh, throughout the month, or you know, if our main episode is going to take like a long time, we might drop something like that just to get something up on the channel. But there really is no really schedule, so subscribing isn't just going to help the channel. It's going to let you know when we make a thing <laughs> actually do something <laughs> actually get off our asses and play some video games <laughs> exactly get off your ass and play some goddamn video games <laughs> ah. okay mom <laughs> um, so that'll wrap it up I want to thank my co-host Zoltan yep and I want to thank everyone for listening we'll be back at some point with episode 16 for Final Fantasy 7 thank you thank you everyone good night